Welcome to another episode of the Pete Potential Success Show. My name is Fong Chua. I'm an entrepreneur, business strategist, real estate investor, speaker, and also best-selling author. And every single day, I help others unlock the potentials and guide them to succeed. Today on the show, we have a great guest. I've had the opportunity of seeing this person live on stage, uh, impacting and adding value to thousands and thousands of people, and I'm so excited to have her here. Uh, I follow her on uh, social media, and it seems like she's always hosting something, being interviewed by somebody, being featured by somebody, and I'm just so, so honored to have her here. Uh, she loves helping her clients worldwide uh, eliminate the limiting beliefs, the self-sabotage, uh, coming up with great solutions to help them increase their productivity, uh, their confidence, uh, achieving more goals. And she's one of those people that helps you reimagine your life. So I'm so excited to have her here. So please welcome international best-selling author, podcast host, life and relaxation specialist, Ms. Catherine Better. Wow. Thank you so much. Like, I feel so pumped. Let's go. Let's do this. <laughs> Well, I'm very, very excited to have you here. There's a few questions I have for you that I really want to know more about. Um, has to do with what we saw on 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 stage where where you were up there, but uh, we'll get to that very soon. Now, we were just talking in the green room a little bit ago, and you didn't start off as this relaxation coach or a life coach. In fact, it was very recently that you made this transition. So can you kind of tell us your journey? What was that story that got you to where you are today? Oh, Absolutely. So as a kid, I always knew I needed to do something. I was meant to do something big. And I just didn't know exactly what that was. Um, I loved animals. I loved the environment. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to change the world. What does that, what does that mean? So I was, I was the nerdy kid in high school who did like engineering projects. And I spent my summers at ecology camps and doing all sorts of things. And, um, when the when the college applications came in and I saw environmental engineering as a possibility, I was like, I don't know what that means, but that sounds really cool. Like, I like the environment. I want to help the planet. And I'm pretty good at math and science. So I'll, I'll go ahead and do this. And the school that I um, applied to was called the Colorado School of Mines. And it's um, a small school outside of Denver, Colorado, that is primarily just engineering. And so in high school, I was part of a, like a school within a school, it was called the Academy of Science and Technology. And my physics teacher overheard me mentioning that I had been accepted to Colorado School of Mines. And he pulled me over and said, you know, we had another student go there last year and they were really good at the Academy, you know, subtext better than me as a student. I thought what, I thought what you were going to say, they're really good, but you're better. <laughs> nope, nope, that was not my that was not my origin story. And said, you know, so for you, you might want to think about going to another school because they only lasted a year at Mines. And it was like, all right, game on. I, I was like, I don't care where else I get into. Like, I'm going to the school. I will make it work. Um, and, and I did have to make it work because they're a state school. And so I was getting scholarships for other schools, but it was like, how can I get scholarships to this school? How can I make this work? So, um, you know, I was a little stubborn, um, but it, it all worked out. It was where I was meant to be. And it was a great experience there. And uh, I focused on environmental engineering. So, you know, so many people go to university and college and then end up changing their majors, you know, several times. But it was like, nope, this is what I'm doing. And so I worked in the environmental field. Um, for quite a while. And I really, I really enjoyed it. But at a certain point, I began to feel a bit jaded that I wasn't making the impact that I had imagined. 
that I would make. And it was, it was a bit of a struggle. And so, um, you know, my mindset was, well, I must not know enough. So let me go learn more. So it's like, okay, let me go get a master's and see if that helps. And I was like, nope, that's still, that's still not it. Okay. What else do I need to do? I don't know enough about business. I'm going to go get an MBA. So I went and got my MBA, went back to school, came back to work and, and did that for, for another decade. And um, still just wasn't feeling quite like I was making the difference that I envisioned. Um, and then 2020 happened. And now I've got my two small children home with me. My daughter was in kindergarten at the time. And I don't know how to teach someone how to read. <laughs> that is not within my skill set. Um, and so it really just kind of crystallized a moment of like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Um, you know, we never could have predicted the pandemic happening. Like nobody saw that coming. What else is going to be coming? And should the world end, am I going to be happy with what I've done with my life? Am I going to feel fulfilled? And at the time, the answer was no. So I started thinking like, okay, what what else is there that I could do? Um, and that's what really led me into um, understanding the mind more, understanding a lot more of you know, why do people create pollution? Like, why do we say we want to do something and then not actually do it? Um, and that's what led me to start studying that. I didn't go to school for it because my husband told me I had to stop going to school. <laughs> racking up student debt. It's like the typical uh, engineering mindset, right? They go from, well, I got my 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 degree. Well, I have to specialize in a master's and then, oh, I need more school, I need more school, more school. If thinking that that's what you absolutely need to become that next stage or get that next uh, credibility. But obviously it's something that uh, is not required. Like you've done other ways of schooling and educated yourself differently and still being able to uh, impact so many different people without all that technical, uh, traditional schooling. And, that, and that's exactly right. I've never stopped learning. It's just where, how I'm, how I'm working in it. And, you know, you and I met through, through JT Fox. And I feel like a lot of what I have um, invested myself and learned through is just another degree um, <laughs> in, in a different way. And it's, it's still about investing in yourself. And that was kind of the core of what I saw as going to school. But now I just have a different way to reframe and, and look at it. You've absorbed so much new knowledge within a short period of time. Like most people will go through like years and years of uh, education and schooling to become this. But you went through all that in like a matter of like year, two, three, like a very, very short period of time. What's that secret, secret that you have that you're able to like absorb so fast? Are you, are you, you just said you weren't a good reader. <laughs> so do you have photogenic memory? Like how did you get all that information and then apply all that information so quickly? Well, this is where it gets a little more on the spiritual side of things. I have come to believe and to understand that it's always, it's already in us. And so for me, the pandemic was the light bulb to help me see what was here and to sort of that first like uncovering of what my potential could be and helping me to see beyond what I was kind of programmed to see, you know, I never, I never considered being an entrepreneur. 
because I never had that example in my life of other people who were entrepreneurs. So it just, it never even occurred to me. It was just like, you go to school, you get a job, you work there until you die. (laughs) And for many people that works for them, like that, that works for them. But for me, it, it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be my, my final, my final stop. There was another stop on there. So I think that I always had the capability and, and, and even in other jobs, you know, there'd be some sort of new opportunity, something new that I hadn't actually like studied per se, you know, in my last corporate job, I was doing a lot, um, work in change management, which I'd never done or studied before, but I could do it. I just had to apply myself. Um, and then I was working in it and helping on it projects, which I knew nothing about programming and how to do that, but you just kind of got to do. And I think that's a huge, um, block for people is, you know, I felt like I needed the information before I could do, and it's, it comes back, you know, I mentioned spirituality and I think it comes back to faith of, you know, building the plane in the air, you know, mm-hmm. that, that you learn so much in the doing that theoretics only gets you so far. What What's fascinating to me is the fact that you've changed the stuff that you've learned so drastically, like from something that's so technical to something that's so spiritual and emotional and, and um, so right brained that it, it kind of, most people won't do that. They'll go, Hey, I'm going to specialize in this. I'm going to get more specialized in this and keep on specializing in something more, more, more technical in that area. But you went from engineering and then you go, you know what? I want to learn about business. So what was that tweak that all of a sudden goes, you know what? Business is what I want to learn about. And then what was that next tweak that you go, you know what? I need to learn about the spirituality and the mind and the emotional stuff. <laughs> Well, I'm motivated by money, ah. unfortunately. Uh, well, not unfortunately. I think it's I think it's an, an important motivator. It's not the only motivator, but I could see the writing on the wall and going more and more technical only would get me so far in life. And like I said, I knew I was meant for doing more. And so seeing that kind of writing on the wall of like, yeah, I can keep and work and work and work, but there's really like one, maybe two steps up that I can go. Um And I could see other people advancing farther because they had more of the business acumen and the engineering school that I go to, like we took an economics class, (laughs) like that's it. The rest of it. Remember supply and demand, they cross somewhere and that's it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like no accounting, like none of that. Like I'd be in business, uh, in, in meetings, like, um, with work and they'd be talking about like EBITDA and I'm like, I don't know what the heck these letters are and what they mean. And so it's like, I need to know how to do this. And so that's where, what's where the MBA came from. And I, I, <laughs> it's even more crazy than you think, because um, not only did I quit my job to do the MBA, I moved across the world <laughs> to do it. I found a program um, in Italy, in Milan, that was taught in English, was only a year, and was a really well-ranked and respected program. And I was like, this checks all the boxes. Like most MBA programs are two years. And if you're doing it in another country, like if like there's some really great schools in France and Spain, but they're taught in French and Spanish. Um, so I wanted the opportunity to learn in another country with another culture. Like I could have gone to, you know, the UK or um, there's some schools in um, in Australia, but uh, I mean, the chance to live in Italy, like, come on, why not? 
That's so that was, that was a real, that was a real change in process. Um, because Italy is, is just a different speed. It does not move as fast as the U S mm-hmm. um, or and probably I'd imagine Canada as well. And so that was a really big learning of like how to adapt and how to um, really improve body language because I needed, I didn't always understand what they were saying when they were saying it in English because it was their second language. So there was a lot of um, having to make assumptions about things and then proving are those assumptions correct or not correct and then re uh, tailoring my information. And I had the very humbling experience in my first semester of being the bottom. Mm-hmm. I had never been bad <laughs> at school. It's like, where is this place I'm in? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this right. You know, and it's completely different. So like there was a hundred students in the class and they would rank us one to 100. There was no like, okay, you 15 people all have the right answer. You all get A's. It's like, no, 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 no. You are going to be in order. And so I had learned through engineering to be very succinct with my answers. And that is not what the professors were looking for. So I would go to my professors and be like, okay, I don't understand how I got this question wrong. And they're like, well, it's not that you got the question wrong. It's just that 76 other people answered it better than you. And that was like, Oh, oh my gosh, I've just moved to another country. I've, you know, blown up my life in so many ways. I've I've invested all this money and now I'm failing. Like, what do I do? So it was a great, it was, it was very hard at the time, but it was a great lesson to be like, I'm not going to let this stop me. Like, I, I will figure this out. I will figure out how to, to be better. So I started befriending a lot of the people doing really well and learning from them and 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 being able to assimilate what they were doing and making it my own so that by the end I was in the top of the class by the time we graduated um it it took a lot of me adjusting myself and really saying you know what like what I was doing wasn't working I need to switch and here's how I do it and I need to do it fast so I think learning that lesson um was really, really helpful. And that was, that was a decade ago. And so it was a great lesson to learn and to be able to apply um, for the last 10 years. Well, uh, this is a question I think that you're probably perfect to ask because uh, a lot of people out there goes, okay, I want to do this. And then I, I tell them, I'm going, okay, go do it. And then start teaching it, start teaching what you've learned. And they go, oh, I can't, I can't, because I, I don't know enough. I need mm-hmm. to know more. So then they go and spend more time and register for another class and they go learn more. And go, okay, now, now start doing those videos or start writing that book that you'd always wanted to do. I can't, can't, I need to know more, 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 more. Yeah. At what stage can people start doing something or adding value or t- teaching others or spreading knowledge that they've learned? Because it seems like this is something you were very good at. We never look back. We never appreciate where we've come from to say, you know what? I have learned all of this that has gotten me to that point. And there's a big lesson in gratitude of being grateful for where you've gotten that you can appreciate that there's other people who are where you were, even if it's just one step, like you're just one step ahead of them you can still provide them value and shorten that time frame for them to make that step to meet you where you are. And you're still learning on the side while you're teaching everyone. But when you can be 
grateful for where you are and look back, then you can really see how far you've come instead of always looking to the next mountain. You know, if you're in a mountain range and you're like, I'm going to climb this mountain and you get to the top, guess what? There's another mountain, (laughs) you know? But if you don't look back and see how far away the ground was, you can't appreciate where you've come. So I think that's a, a really big lesson. I mean, I think, um, and I think just starting, I think so many people are, have a fear of looking foolish, a fear of not feeling like they know enough, not being smart enough, that that prevents them from, from just doing it. Um, we've become such a perfectionistic society. And I think a lot of how schooling is done um, really aids in that. Like you are, you are so much become your identity at being an A student or an A and B student that there's no, there's no process in how we are raised and how we are schooled to allow for failure and to allow for failure to be okay. Right. Um, and when it comes to schooling, they're so focused on, you need to kind of isolate yourself to do good on, on your test and score high and all kind of stuff. But what you've shown is you can't just isolate yourself. You need to connect and build relationships with all these other people. And that's how you got up to the top again, because you had those relationships, you had those that support uh, that helped you uh, uh, guide you along that path. And that's something else I wanted to touch on, because making those transitions that you've you've made from engineering to business to uh, spiritual to um, all this other like relaxation uh, specialists and all that kind of stuff, there's a lot of big changes there. You must have had a great support group. Was there anybody within your circle that goes, hmm, I don't know, I, I, I think you should hang back just a little bit? Or were, was majority of the people around you always like, go, go, go? That's a great question. Um, in a lot of ways, I can be a force of nature. <laughs> and once I decide on something, um, it's very hard to dissuade me. Uh, and it's not that once I have a goal, I'm not so stubborn that I won't acknowledge that there's other paths to get there because I think that's something that, you know, if you're being coached, if you're being a coachable person, you need to be able to see that, okay, yes, I still have the same goal, but maybe I need to go this way instead of that way. Like I can see the path that I'm on could be more difficult than this other way. Um, So it's being open to that, but then it's being really secure in what it is that you, that you want to achieve and gosh, if I put myself even back further than that, I didn't always know what I wanted to achieve, but I believed in myself and I would have the faith to take the next step, even if I didn't understand what the next, why I was taking the next step. And so I do have a great support system. Um, but there would be lots of times when they're like, why, why are you doing this? And I'd be like, I don't know, (laughs) but I know I'm supposed to. And I just need you to trust me on this. So they were a great support system in that even if they knew it wasn't the path for them, they would still believed in me enough to say, okay. (laughs) Was there any examples or point in time where you go, "Mm, maybe I shouldn't take this path? Like, was there any, or was everything that you decided on, you were very sure that you were going to go on with? Um, most things, yes. Um, but for instance, you know, going back to JT Fox, that's part of how I came into his community, um, last year is I was working on starting a relaxation franchise. And so 
we had all the franchise information all set up and then we were working on the content for it. And um, that's when JT was like, well, that's never going to make money. And so of course he got my attention there and it was like, okay, how can I take this, what I do and get it to a lot of people? Because that's, I want to make a big impact. And I thought that that was the way, but I can see that there's a lot of, of other ways. You know, you mentioned that I'm doing a lot of stuff on, on radio shows and podcasts and TV shows and speak on stage. And I'm realizing now that that's another way of getting it out there that, you know, that just even speaking about it and having people's minds be opened to that. There's another way is, is, is really, um, is really an impactful way to do it as well. And it's not that the franchise won't happen at some point. Um, but I trusted enough in his judgment and like, okay, maybe the timing's not right. And I can pause this, but maybe I'll come back to it. Maybe I won't, but I'm not, I'm not hanging everything on that. It's being open to, to, to the change. Right. And, and something you said there really, really, I, I really appreciate is that you got the advice from somebody who's been there and done that, who has achieved a lot in the area that you want to achieve in. Whereas a lot of people get the advice from like family and friends. They go, yeah, don't do that. It's like, why? Well, it's not going to work. And they don't have much, uh, they, there's not much meat to that explanation. They just don't want you to do it for whatever reason. It makes them feel bad, whatever, right? It, so, exactly. They don't have the experience. And I think that's um, that's a really good point too when dealing with family and friends is when they tell you no for things, you have to evaluate, are they telling you no based on factual information or are they telling you no because they themselves don't feel comfortable that they could do it? Right. And that's a big thing that when people are giving their opinion on things, really they allow them to, co to color it, um, that they don't feel comfortable doing it, but that doesn't mean that it's not the right choice for you. Now you talked about the relaxation uh, franchise that's uh, in your on your list of to-dos and whatnot. Um, what exactly is a relaxation specialist? I mean, I, I say that in my mind, it's like, just go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, for a lot of people, just going to sleep is a hard thing because their mind races. They have all of these thoughts. And so the best way to break it down is that the thoughts are the starting point of everything. And we have to acknowledge how important our thoughts are and how much power they have. There's so much power in our thoughts and in our words. And so our thoughts are what create the emotion. It's not the other way around. We wouldn't feel the emotion we feel if we didn't think the thought first. And then once we have the emotion or the feeling, that's what then drives us to choose to behave a certain way. So the feeling then drives the behavior and the behavior reinforces the original thought and it creates a loop. And so where I work specifically is in the thoughts themselves, because it has been shown through science that there are actually peptides and amino acid chains that represent the different emotions that we experience um, day to day. And those are released when a certain thought happens. So that's the process of it. So there's a physical, um, component to how that is released. And so when you're working on kind of severing that connection, because sometimes those emotions that are generated are not good, or they're emotions that were generated because of something you experienced when you were seven, you know, now someone's 37 and going, why am I still acting this way? I'm not that same person. I've evolved. I've grown yet. The thought pattern hasn't. So I help to connect. I help to sever that connection within the brain. And so that's what helps people to relax because they're not being driven by 
these negative thought patterns that can be very oppressive and very difficult to to overcome on your own. Is there a, a tip or something that people can do like easily to to apply that like right now that you can that you can share? Like, for instance, I know lots of people go, I can't sleep because I have so much stuff going on in my mind. I lie down there. I just keep on thinking, oh, what's going to happen here? What do I have to do tomorrow? And all that kind of stuff. So how how does one clear their mind so they could go right up, right to sleep? Well, there's definitely a simple way. Um, when I work with my clients uh, one-to-one, we get much more in depth into this. But the simplest way to explain it is that we need to connect our subconscious mind, which is where all of this lives, with our conscious mind. And so we do that through closing our eyes and holding our breath, because those are two easy things that we have conscious control of that are normally driven by the subconscious. So when you close your eyes consciously and hold your breath consciously, your subconscious perks up and is like, uh, excuse me, that's my job. What are you doing? So it's, it's alert. It's paying attention. And then while you're holding your breath, you think the sentence, I release all negative emotions with and you can say with the situation, with a person's name, with whatever it is that's causing your mind to run in circles. And then as soon as you've thought that, you immediately release your breath and you're creating a very strong connection between thought and then action. And the body really loves that. It says, okay, that's this must be something important. I'm paying attention. And so I have my clients use this technique when they're not working with me directly. Because when they're working with me directly, we get to the meat of exactly what the emotions are that they need to release and exactly what the thought pattern is that's connecting them. But this is a great way to kind of relieve some of the pressure. Um, and you just say it over and over in your head until you feel better. <laughs> Good. I'm going to do that tonight. Yeah. <laughs> um, when it comes to uh, relaxation, I think there's another aspect to that with the frequency and, and sound, uh, which is something you demonstrate on stage when, when I got to see you. Um, talk more about that. Is it, That's sound healing. Correct. Yes. So something that um, is a great way to understand it, uh, and this was something that JT asked on stage, um, people feel music. I think every human has had that experience where there's a song that you feel sad when you hear it, or you feel pumped when you hear it. But music has a feeling. And that's, I think, like opera um, can be so impactful, even if it's in a different language, you know, it's in Italian, it's in French, it's in German, whatever it is, you don't know what they're saying, but you can feel the emotion behind the words. And I think that's a great intro into sound healing for people, for them to make the connection that they've already experienced in their regular life, that they can feel a connection to music. And through sound healing, we're just tapping into that. Um, because everything is is frequency. And, you know, as engineers, we study that on a completely different level um, than than what we study it here, or what I how I study it. Um, but that's a way where you can be tapping into bringing the body back into balance. The body wants to be in homeostasis. Uh, and so when we are out of balance, whether we are too much or too little in one area, the sound can help to rebalance it and bring it back to back to center. Awesome. I like how you put everything because you come from a very analytical background. And when you apply it to stuff that most people go, you know what, that's just woo woo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> once you're able to put that analytical mindset, and I think um, your path has kind of directed you into this area, because without the analytical aspect, it's hard to accept this world. Yes. And uh, I, I think that 
because you have the analytical mindset, you're really able to dissect and find the science between all the stuff that people has lots of negative thoughts about. Um, what are some examples that people come up to you and goes, you know what, it's blank or it's this. And you go, no, 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 no. Here's, here's, I'm going to, I'm going to break down that myth for you. And you get to do that right now. <laughs> it happens all the time. Um, people will come to me saying, I want to work on X. And through my training, through my experience, because even though it's time, time is kind of meaningless if we really get down to it, because we've all experienced time expand and contract where, you know, you were like, oh my gosh, how has it only been 15 minutes? It feels like it's been hours or, or the converse of that. But I've, I've done this with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people from all over the world. And there's so many connection points where it's all so similar. And it's funny because even if I'm working with people where English is not their first language, every single person that I've had a new session with has the exact same response to after working with me. They all say the exact same word. And I'm not going to say it because if anyone wants to experience it, I would love to give you a session and you can see for yourself because you, it, you, you have to experience it to understand it. Um, but I was working, one of my clients um, is a very high powered president of a company. Um, this person has hundreds and hundreds of people working for them. Very, very, very successful in business. And um, we've been working together for a while. And um, when I do my sessions, I don't require people to come, my one-on-one -on -one sessions. I do many different iterations of this, but when I'm working with someone one-on-one, -on -one, I don't require it to be every week. It's kind of an as-needed basis because things change. And this person contacted me and said, Kat, I can't drive on the internet state anymore. And it's been happening for weeks and it's now affecting, really affecting my life. Like I, my commute is twice as long. I need you to clear the interstate for me. And as they're talking and I'm listening and like, it's not the interstate we need to clear. And they're like, yes, it is. I can't drive on the interstate. Like I need to be cleared for the interstate. And I was like, it's a control issue. They're like, what? I go, you don't feel like you're in control of your life. And normally you're in control of the car, but because you have this feeling that you're not in control of your life, you have now lost control in a place where you normally have control. And their mind was like totally blown. And as we're going through and clearing it, like, you know, detaching those emotions in that very scientific process, um, it's just this incredible process. And then this person messaged me the next day and they're like, I feel fearless today. I feel so in control. I feel so ready to take everything on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So it's examples like that where it's never exactly what they think, but I can, I can see the connections that they can't see. No, you, you talk, you talk about the mind stuff. You're talking about frequency that comes with sound. Uh, you talk, you do smell too. So it comes down to essential oils. So uh, explain, you're hitting all the senses. <laughs> so with regards to essential oils, how does that complement everything that goes on in the world, our world right now? Therefore, with the, the frequency, the mindset, the, the success? Yeah. Smell is another thing that we take for granted. Anyone can probably be given a certain smell and remember something from their childhood. And that's because in order for the smell to go through our, our olfactory system, it has to go through the limbic system of the brain. And the limbic system is where memories and emotion are created. So these smells have emotions and memories stored in them. 
So that's just kind of one aspect that people can think of, like you smell something and people think, oh, you know, baking cookies. Oh, my grandma used to bake cookies and, you know, brings back these different memories. So essential oils are a way to kind of tie into that. And the different smells will work in different areas of the body emotionally. So I use them as a support function for what I'm doing. You know, when we're working in a session and we're working through something, you know, I'm not with you 24 seven, you know, I might be in your head because I, I have clients that say like, oh, I was going to do something. And then you were in my head saying it, and it changed my behavior. Um, but it's a way to help continue the work that we've done in the session outside of our time together. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have an example, whether it's for yourself or a client of yours, where right before, because like we're, we're moving into like entrepreneurship and business. I know you're a, a great salesperson as well. You teach people how to increase their productivity where somebody goes and you know what? I want to make a sale. I want to do well in this area. And then they go, I'm going to do this with the sound. I'm going to do this with the smell. I'm going to do this with, and then put, put everything together and then they're ready to go. Do you do that for yourself or uh, is there people that you do it for? What's a, a good combination or example that you could share? Uh, I think so for me, I have people that do work for me as well. I mean, we all have our own stuff and new level, new devil, like, you know, as you're leveling up, you are uncovering new things that you need to be working on. But as from the whole gamut of what you explained, it's too much. It's too much for people. They get completely overwhelmed. They can't handle it. For me, I can bounce in between it because that's just how my brain works. And I've had the years of experience to learn it all and how it goes. So I had to learn to pull back. Um, and I also think this is something um, with people who are more on the healing side of things is that we get really in love with whatever our modality is and think that's the only and the best only. And I think that can probably be extrapolated to all industries. Um, and it's really about, you know, what are the results that you are giving that person? Like, what is it that they need? They're not going around thinking, I need essential oils, <laughs> right? You know, they're not going around thinking like, I need to sever these emotions from this thought pattern that I'm having. But, you know, they know that they're not sleeping or they know that they're struggling at work or they know that they're not making sales. And so it's really about focusing in on what that client needs and wants and then saying, what do I have in my toolbox that can help them and using the correct tool at the correct time. And that's part of why I have all these different things, because I believe so truly that every one of us is individual. We are all here for a purpose. There is so much that we share and that we have in common, but we're not standardized tests. We're not all one thing. And so it's going to be a different, a different modality for a different person at a different time. And that's just how I see the world. And not everyone sees it that way. We, they all see the similarities of us and not necessarily the differences. But for me, it's the differences that make us great. Now, within a short period of time, you've been, uh, you became an international best-selling author. You host a, a podcast show. You're also a, a very que- uh, frequent guest on another TV show. Uh, tell us more about that, those and how people can reach out and access all, the, all, all this great information. I want people to know that there are different options. I want to know them to know that they are not too broken. People think that they're so broken that they're beyond help, that they just have to accept where they are. And that's not true. 
It's not true. I've seen it. I've seen it in so many of my clients. I've seen them get off medication that they had been on for years, like this just amazing new life that is possible for them. But people don't dream big and think that they can dream big. So that's why I spend energy and effort in finding different ways to have different outlets so that people know that there's there's a, there's hope out there for them and that they can find it and they can seek it. If I'm not the right person, I'm going to make sure that I help you find the right person so that you can really get through it. But my podcast is called The Good, Bad and Ugly of Business. And that is a very different sort of spin on, on what we have been talking about. It's more about understanding the different journeys that entrepreneurs are, have gone through and different business owners. Um, and then on the TV show, it's now media. It's the biz talk with uh, host Michael Rager. We talk about relationships and the different relationships that we have within ourselves, within business, within life, and some of the obstacles and things that you might encounter and how to overcome them. Awesome. Uh, for everybody out there, make sure you you reach out to access all this great information. Um, something else I wanted to ask you about is the fact that social media, mental health, all that stuff is is very, very prominent in our society right now. And mental health is being affected by a lot of social media stuff. How does one protect themselves from that? <laughs> Isn't a that the billion-dollar question? <laughs> Like, Way to give me a softball to end it. <laughs> people feel like they need to engage because if you don't engage, you can't build those relationships. However, sometimes you once you engage, you fall into this trap. You fall into this, this rabbit hole. So how do you protect your mental health from going too far? So one of my mentors um, actually was talking about this earlier this week. So this is quite the beautiful um, synchronicity. And she talks about the law of polarity um, and it's it's a physics law, the law of every action has an opposite and equal reaction. So bringing it back to physical things that we know and understand and have known for a very long time. So when you get super excited about something, that's an action. And there's gonna have to be an opposite reaction to balance it out because homeostasis, because balance, because bringing everything into center. So I think, a big part of being on social media is instead of getting excited that someone made a comment or that someone shared your content or that you got a new follower to stay in gratitude and just be like, I am so grateful that these gifts that I've been given to share resonated with someone else, because then you're staying in your center and you're not getting too excited or too negative because that's why you see the good and bad of social media. And especially when it comes to mental health is because the law of action and reaction. <laughs> awesome. Very, uh, very well put. Uh, back to very analytical and something that everybody could really, really relate to. Um, one final formal question for you. Uh, you're back on the main stage. You have one message to share to the entire world. What's that one message that you would like everybody to remember Kat for? I want them to remember me that they feel seen when they're with me. I think that being able to be with another person and to really listen to them and to be able to see the other person that you're with, that being present in each moment is a gift that we are all able to give each other every single day. And if we can all do that, how great the world would be. So remembering to be present with one another 
and to be thinking about how can I add value to this person instead of how can this person add value to me will really change how we all interact and will really elevate everyone as a society. Awesome. Well, definitely got a lot of value from from our time here today. So thank you very much for this. Uh, it's been very, very enjoyable. But before I let you go, I got five quick questions. Rapid fire, give me the first thing that comes to mind. All right, let's go. All right. You're stranded on the desert island. One food to eat for the rest of your life. No consequence. Pizza. You are being contacted by Hollywood and says, hey, Kat, we need, we love your story. We need to do a biopic on you. Who would you cast to play your best friend? Oh, um, Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence shows up at your door and goes, hey, I got casted to play your best friend. Uh, let's hang out. Uh, let's get to know each other. Boy, I'm hungry. And you go, you know what, Jen, Jen, don't worry about it. Let me go to the back. I'm going to fix you something nice. What's that special dish you prepare? Nachos. <laughs> uh, Monopoly calls and says, hey, we want to do a game on you, uh, Catopoly. And uh, you get to choose five playing pieces that people use to go around the board. What's those five iconic things that represent you? A unicorn, a dragon, a cat, <laughs> um, a microphone, and a high heel shoe. Is that five? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. And my last question, but before I get there, number from one to five. Four. One, two, three, four. So if you have to relate success to gift cards, how is success like gift cards? Ooh. Success is like gift cards because we all have them in our wallet and we're not utilizing them. Boom. And the longer you have them in there, they diminish in value. Exactly. Exactly. Like what are you carrying around in your wallet that you're not fully utilizing right now? That's well, well done. Awesome. Um, once again, thank you very much for your time, your stories, anything that you would like to uh, share or last words. I'm, I'm just, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. It's, um, it's been really, really fun time. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for everybody out there. Make sure you catch up with uh, Kat, uh, see her videos, watch us, follow her on content, uh, lots of great things. And if you're like me, you're going to enjoy her content because it's very, very, um, it's very, very informational, but it's also very, very uh, impactful into our lives. So please make sure you reach out to her. And uh, as always, today is the day to lock your peak potential. We'll see you later.